Okay, guys. So I want to introduce my 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 little pony OC. Uh, it's an alicorn, which means that he's a unicorn and a Pegasus, and he's actually supposed to be like uh, 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 a time lord, and he controls time and space or whatever. And his name is Donut Steel, and he's uh he's red and black, and he's he he, he uh his parents are dead, but he's he's got a very edgy backstory. But it's not edgy; it's just very dark and brooding. Uh. Let me, let me see your OCs, guys. Oh, that sounds so boring. It's nothing like my original character for Naruto, Gunblaster Joe, whose right arm is a 55-inch caliber cannon that can blow the planet up. Uh, that's, that's, super, that's super cool. Who's, who's that other guy? Who are you? <clears throat> what do you got? I am, I am the famous AC comic superhero, Darkwing. I'm, my age is 22 caliber. I live on the edge. I murdered my own parents, and I live in a, I live in a crevice. And I got a butler man named Penny Fred Aluminum Worth, and I fight this evil clown. <laughs> Did you just say that your age is 22 caliber? My age is 22 caliber. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why we're getting hate on, 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 the, on Tumblr about our OCs. I think we're all pretty cool. What? What in the f- uh, Oh my god, they made original characters! Ah! <laughs> Are they dead? <gasps> Are they gone? Oh my god. Oh, thank god they're dead. Did we save the world? <sighs> Oh, oh God! Who who are these people? How did they get in here? Why do they, why do they keep coming? We so, need to put like a lock on this place, Sergio. Did you lock idea. the window last night when I told you to lock it? No. Who locks our windows? <gasps> okay, I'll get it tonight. What? Oh my God! They started recording again. Fuck. Uh, episode. Titled uh, "Original Characters," boys. We're gonna talk about original characters. Yeah, the most original. Uh, so first, we're gonna start with what is an orange carrot? The carrot <laughs> <in> orange, <laughs> orange, which is just which is just as an original name as what a OC is. It is an original character. It is your own character that you have created. Um, technically, an OC, like like if you write your own book. That could technically be considered to be an OC, or it's an OC you've made for an existing uh, fictional universe. It's like fan fiction encapsulated in, in a man or a woman or whatever you want it to be. Yeah, I think the um, what was that? I was about to say, yeah, it's just a it's just a character that people make for a fictional universe, established or not. Yeah, and I'd say uh, it's technically accurate to say that characters such as Aang and Katara from Avatar are original characters but i yeah. think you draw the line at the point where it's an officially licensed reputable thing that's mm -hmm. being published yeah. before that it's just original characters original content not to be confused with the original content tag on reddit fucking redditors redditors am i right yeah and <sighs> i i think the fine line is Again, you know, it has to be licensed. I feel like it if it's made for and like it's if it's made for a licensed 
you know, big budget production, or maybe it's an indie production, whatever it may be, if it is being put into production to be put on to some kind of, uh, you know, media that people can consume in some way, whether it be writing, animation, movies, live action, that sort of thing, as long as it is connected to a way that multiple people can, you know, uh, digest it, then I would consider it to not be an original character. An original character would be someone else who is not part of the production team creating a character to exist in said fictional world or for their own fictional world that they created. <laughs> there are... Well, I, 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 I would say what... what, what uh, I'm sure there's a page on TV Transform, but I guess, I guess we could consider that there are ascended OCs that are, like... Like, this is my Marvel OC, and I work at Marvel, and I'm like, hey, John Marvel, uh, I've got this character. Is she, She's like a Muslim girl that can stretch her arms really wide, and they're like, boom, yeah, we're making a TV show about it. Then it, it's been ascended, and it's no longer your OC. Yeah, so uh, TV Tropes lists uh, an original character in the simplest terms as a new character created in a fanfic or other work that does not come from an existing copyright work. Technically, it doesn't have to be from a literary work of your own creation or not. You can just create characters mm -hmm. from the ether, if you would like, which I you hear can. is a great way of getting around using named characters for porn. I can't verify that. There's no data to gather for that in a statistical no, it, manner, it, but no, it's it true. Happen? Oh, yeah, I did it. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, people oh. do it all the time. It's fine. It's just something that people do, whether it be through adoptables or what have you. There is definitely a market to skirt around copyright by just making an original character who just may or may not be sort of similar to another existing character. Nice. What kinds of original characters are there, though? So besides besides the, the the mention of the ascended OC, I we've 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 come into into three categories. There are generic OCs, which is just like your regular old original character. A good example of this is Sora, Kairi, and Riku. A bad example of this is Sora, Angel, and Riku, or should I say, <laughs> Hero of Light. Oh wait, wait, oh wait! No, the, the spoilers for next episode. Yeah. You'll get that later. You'll get that. You'll get that later. Um, but. For the real Sora, Kairi, and Riku, while while they are licensed characters, they are basically OCs that have been inserted in to into like a, a mishmash crossover, crossover universe. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. It's it's the most widely understood characters that I could think of to describe what a generic OC is. They're uh, just yeah. They just they're 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 characters meant to inhabit they're all like, like 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 obviously that there is like a there's like a kingdom hearts lore that they exist in and they're not just like sora is now a character from tarzan he's 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 your own character that's now interacting with all these different properties like a fan fiction character in a crossover fan fiction would yeah yep. the basic idea of an oc that's generic is to just uh coexist in the world that's their that's the goal now the second type which I, I i'm going to put like an asterisk is not necessarily a bad thing depending on how they're written they're usually written really poorly this is the self-insert oc this is where you insert you or someone else you know as the oc and there a very bad example is ebony darkness dementia ravenway mm -hmm. uh, yep. from my immortal 
Perhaps the, the, the most the, the well-known thing, self-insert. The, 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 prob- the problem with self-insert is usually is that the person has self-inserted themselves into the work to basically live out their own power fantasy, uh, which leads us into our third option, is uh, Mary Sue. Or Gary Sue, depending on or who Gary is. Or Gary Sue, d- yes. depending on your gender. Yeah, uh, Mary the best example, is the used one. The, the best example I, I, I can think of is um, Alice from the Resident Evil movies, or <laughs> I've, I've heard, uh, depending on who's writing them, Batman or Superman. Especially if you've ever read Grant Morrison, Batman, which is the, well, see Flash, what you didn't know is I put a stick of gum on the, on the floor over there and you've stepped on it. It's currently sapping away all your speed. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb it's shit the, like that. Well, or, 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 I wouldn't well, say it's a it's a character because most people typically say that a Mary Sue is a character who has no flaws. But uh, I think the better definition is that a Mary Sue is a character who warps the world around them to display their perfection. Yeah, yeah. See, there is there, there's the original because uh, I'm I'm going to talk about the, the the reasons why this is uh this is bad because uh, because the, uh, the the reason why we have the term Mary Sue is that someone wrote a Star Trek fan fiction a long time ago when you'd write like fanfics for a magazine and their character was Mary Sue. And if you look at Mary Sue and what she does, she's the archetypical like Mary Sue which I'll I'll get into. But first, I wanted to talk since I brought up the Batman example, there's this really funny thing I I, I want to tell you guys about. So in the like the new 52 Batman run, um there like there's an arc called Endgame where Joker has basically like he, like but like like J- Joker has like got like Joker gassed the whole like city and he's turned everyone against Batman right and at the beginning of the story Joker has somehow Joker gassed the Justice League and they come running after Batman and normally you'd be like oh shit that's the entire Justice League how's Batman gonna get out of this one he defeats them all in like five pages and then throw like ties them up in the corner and goes good thing that minor inconvenience is over with yeah, let's which get on really to the dumb. real, the real story. Yeah, it's you. Yeah. You have to be very careful with original characters to before they slip into Mary Sue. I'd consider like, I consider when you slip into Mary Sue is when a character has over centralized the entire like plot. For example, like a character whose narrative focus warps around the universe. I. I don't think people would uh, agree with me on this one, but I would consider Steven Universe, at least prior to future, to be a Gary Stu because he is so involuntarily perfect and everything just kind of lands in his lap just to find a way to continue his kind of cycle of how he would uh, solve problems. Yeah, I, I think at the minimum... He's skirting the line very much. It's yeah, uh, he is. He's very close to it because it it comes to a point where the only way that they can that they logically thought that the issues of like the diamonds and the uh, like the crystal gems would be solved is for Stephen to somehow be related to a diamond and that whole ordeal. Whether you agree with it or not, I personally just didn't find it to be good storytelling and it felt more like a deus ex machina than anything and it is something that if you if you're paying attention to it you could draw that line where you could say it but he's also like skirting the line where he might not actually be 
um, you know, a Mary Sue, but it's, again, it's a whole perspective thing. And that's where Mary Sue's kind of end up falling in as a perspective thing. Yeah. And I have, I have yeah, more to say so, on that topic, but we'll get into it a little bit later with the uh, do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say, I sir? would just, uh, I was going to say, cause I had my, my example of Alice. Um, and I guess like the original Mary Sue is that Mary Sue's, um, in my mind, um, obviously there's the, there's the over, absolutely overpowered, um, uh, they have, there's no explanation for their abilities or skills. Like in the case of the new, uh, Mary Sue, the, the original Mary Sue, um, there's this test in the start, in the Star Trek universe called like the Kobayashi Maru test. Uh, Kirk cheats on it to become captain of the Enterprise. If you've seen the first, uh, JJ Abrams Star Trek movie, if you watch the original series, uh, Mary Sue actually completes it without cheating. And then she does the sec, she does the second thing, which is she, she, uh, pushes the other characters aside and basically takes credit for all of their achievements. Like in uh, the second, as as Matt saw the second Resident Evil movie with me, there are plenty of scenes in the second Resident Evil movie where Jill, a character from the games, is going to do something cool, but then Alice, the OC, comes in and just just shows her up and just does it all all for her. Yeah, does it even cooler, does it even better. And of course, the, uh, the the movies all represent around Alice, who's basically like the Messiah. She's a super soldier. She's got superpowers. Her blood can cure the T virus. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and all, all the characters have no problems with Mary Sue, Alice, Batman, <laughs> Superman. Uh, they have no problem. They have no problems with them. Uh, characters will fall head over heels with them for no reason. People won't question their actions this is like the mary mary sue you know what to do you're the best of all time well that's not entirely true the mark of a mary sue is not that nobody questions them it's that if you do you are the bad guy you cannot question them without immediately being turned upon by the rest of the characters or the narrative itself paints you as the bad guy for just questioning the mary sue yeah it is it it usually comes in the form of it might not make you the villain. It might just seem that your idea is the bad idea. Yeah, and I like the I like the way that uh, Michael's been describing a Mary Sue. It's not badness that describes a Mary Sue. It's the level of warping of the fiction's reality for this one character, specifically one person. This yeah, is yeah, why uh, I uh, you can especially notice it like if you were to take like an avatar fan fiction or something like an OC, you can especially notice it if they have like more than two elements to bend. Like that's obviously something that breaks the rules of the universe, mm-hmm. but they might not necessarily break the rules. They might just bend them enough to like, it'd be like if you were to like bend like a paperclip, there's like, it's a usable paperclip and then there's like, okay, it probably is going to break soon. Paperclip broken, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What were you going to say, Serge? Uh, I was gonna. I guess I, I talk about it later, but you can write good overpowered characters. Obviously, yeah. One Punch Man is a good uh, yeah that's example the... of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect example it, of it. Yeah, overpowered characters. They can be fun. You just have to write them in a way that make that works with them. Yeah, you have or to write my them favorite, as people. Or one of one of my favorite overpowered characters of all time, Common Writer Decade. Is because there's 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 still there's still stakes in the show because obviously he can still lose but you know he's about to absolutely ass blast 
the monster when, when it comes to, when his theme starts playing and hit yeah. in him showing up and crossover stuff is great because he just comes up and completely steals the show from everybody. And it's done in a way that's not like, Oh, like it's like, like, you know him, he's been in the series for like 10 years. So when he comes up, it just absolutely kicks ass. It's deserved rather than like, Oh, look at me. I'm a uh, captain Marvel. I'm the strongest ever. This will be, let me blow up Thanos ship for you guys. Yeah, yep. I think the I think that there's like two good ways to I I mean we we can talk about it like later, um but I'll I'll talk about what like how you can write an overpowered character like well. Yeah. But boys, what is it specifically that we like about OCs in general, or maybe self inserts or generics? Um, I would say what makes a good OC is just what makes a good character in general. Um. Like I just like like making a well written character that adds to the the lore the universe that you put them in, or you know if you're writing your own original story, um, then you know I was, I like a good written character like mm-hmm. character if character good I'm bound to like them. Yeah, right. I I like the three points that you put here. Um, I think they're all really good points. Uh, for like making a character and these are like the questions i think that writers should be considering when at least making like a named character um you know someone that maybe it's a side character maybe it's a main character or just a major reoccurring character and those are of course brings a new perspective into the world expands on the lore like you said sergio and the last one is uh can put characters from the fiction into new situations yeah, I can't think of any super great examples of that specifically, but I've always felt when you're creating an original character, the last thing you want to do is actually create the original character with no purpose. You want the original yeah. character to be put into the story because you need that extra tool to mess around with the narrative. I think a good example actually for the middle, uh, for the can put characters from the fiction into new situations would actually be the Guardians of the Galaxy because they opened up the world of possibilities to travel through space for the rest of the grounded Earth Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, we have Thor who can use the Bifrost and what have you, but there's no like real way to travel through space. You can travel to the Nine Realms, but you can't travel through space with the Bifrost, to my knowledge. Yeah, Thor would have a hard time getting to Mars or Jupiter or shit like that. I might be wrong. Uh, he might be able to do that. It's just that the Guardians of the Galaxy created a like a a, a more like comprehensive tool and a more a, a new interesting option because not only does it put them into new situations by allowing them to go into space, but it also puts them into a new inherent risk because they're now out in space and you don't know what's out there. Yep. And then uh, self-inserts, man, some of the funniest shit I've ever read was a self-insert of somebody just making a complete comedy crack fic about, um, god damn it, I can't remember what show it was, but, ah, I can't remember it, ah, whatever. What do you guys have to say about, uh, what good things do you have to say about self-inserts? Um... I think because it's been done before, where a where a creator will put themselves uh, into a what's oh, it called their Hussey. own work. <laughs> Andrew Hussey, uh, yes. Homestuck. 
Uh, yeah, there's um, oh the the CEO of Square Enix is a boss in Near Automata and Final Fantasy Fifteen. <laughs> I mean, uh... I, I also I also think creator self inserts can go wrong. Uh, like the the one pa- Powerpuff Girl writer oh, self inserting himself. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, there's exam. I I I think there's some good examples of a self insert that's like done well, and that is of course used for comedy because they might be the character who questions what the hell is going on half the time because it could just be the writer's perspective now put into a character who is in this really weird situation, allowing for good comedic timing and what have you. However, as somebody who has watched the entirety of a Steven Universe fan show where the main character was a self-insert, was a power fantasy. You can go horribly wrong if you just make it a fantasy, if you don't add character to the characters that you are, you know, doing. Like, if you make a self-insert and it's just, you know, a generic blank slate of a character, you don't really have a lot to go through. But if you add a little bit more personality to them, you know, maybe it's not fully connected to you. It might just be a little, like, you know, a good chunk of you. Then you can actually work that into making an interesting character who might not really seem as a self-insert to people who are actually reading the media. Yeah, and uh, I'll be honest, I think self-inserts are really pushing the boundary, towing the line of using real-world people in your fiction, which is... That's just a bad idea in general. You don't want to do that until you, unless you have a really, really good reason to do it. Uh, just in general, don't put real people in your fan fictions. That's a really without without their permission. Yeah, without their permission. Uh, other stuff. Don't just don't. Especially do if it. your name is Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh, nothing. Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna move on to uh, the Barry Sue. Uh, no. 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 <laughs> uh, we also have written Ray Star War and all the Jedi trademark, and that's all you need to. That's all, all we know. have to say. I mean, that's all that needs said. I I mean, I will not defend Mary Sue's because I don't think that they're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're of course they're not good for a story. I think you can. There's very, very, very tiny situations where a Mary Sue can work, and that is if you make them the villain and you purposely make it to where they are like the the all bad evil guy if you and everyone else it. is trying. Yeah. yeah you you want to make it would essentially be you are making the Mary Sue and the anti Sue, which is like the exact opposite of a Mary Sue to counteract that. And I think that that's where like you can have it be interesting, but outside of that, there are situations where I don't think that it's you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I know there are people who don't consider Ray from uh, Ray Star Wars to be a Mary Sue. I'm in the I'm in the group where I can see both sides, but I'm mainly focusing more towards the kind of too perfect side. And that's mainly an issue of just the movies being paced incorrectly. Yeah, I'd say that she does toe the line a little bit. If she was actually the descendant of Luke Skywalker, yeah, that'd be pretty bad. She's just, you know, the granddaughter of Balbatine. But yeah, I, I kind of preferred her being a nobody. I just it it would have worked I mean, a I mean, lot I, more. I, I mean, I did too, but it's well, obviously we know that nobody had a plan when writing this, so 
but you know, it's been confirmed. Fucking, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, and people like because like they were trying to course correct from Last Jedi because Ryan Roundhead Johnson went and screwed everything up, and it was like, no, she's out of nobody. Nobody liked Last Jedi. She's somebody. And then Jay Jonah, Al- <laughs> then Jay Jonah yeah. Alabama had to come in and fix it at the eleventh hour. It was yeah, bad. He he fixed it just about as Joss Whedon fixed Justice League. Ouch! Uh, shall we get All into right, so- how to make one? How to cook up one of these OCs? Yeah. Yes. So let's start. Start about why. So yeah, that's a good question before you do any. I, I'd say it's a good question before you do anything in life. Why? Why are you doing this? So, why does there need to be an OC? Like, like your OC should not... <clears throat> like, you shouldn't make Goku 2. Yeah, your, your, your OC should slot into the, wor- the world that exists. And if, if it can't, then you need to address that issue first. Yeah. If you wanted to make a, a youth who is a Saiyan and then grows up and gets power in Dragon Ball, why don't you just write a Gohan fan fiction instead of making your own character or things like that? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's situations where, like, there is universes that could work where you don't have to be connected to the main story. You can just exist in that universe, such as, uh, of course, Steven Universe, My Little Pony, uh, maybe Harry Potter, sort of, like, after the whole Dumbledore thing. Like, there are situations where you don't have to be connected to the universe, and you can tell your own story. But, oh, like, if you are so dead set on writing a story about your original character, you have to make sure that what you're doing with the original character isn't something that another character has already done. Yeah. Mm hmm. I agree. How about name? All right, so that. So now we go on to the name. So naming is, I think, is very important. Mm-hmm. Because if your character doesn't have a, a, a catchy name, then no one's going to remember them. So at least what I have outlined here, I believe that heroic characters need to have cool, catchy names. You should kind of be able to tell what kind of character you're dealing with. If, uh, you know, he's got a good, like, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, yeah. Steve Rogers, Bruce Wayne. Like, like you can go, like, alliteration is a good way to make it catchy. But, like, I don't know, like, Stephen Stone. Like, it's cause it can sound kind of cool, but it should sound, like... Simple. Like, your character's name shouldn't be, like, Grim Dark McBumblefuck. Yeah, like... <laughs> oh, well, that's if, a bad guy. Or Ebony Darkness Dementia yeah. Ravenway. Dementia Ravenway. I, I also am of the group that they should have cool, catchy names, but they shouldn't have a very confusing how do I pronounce this name. Like, you want to be able to make sure that people, when they're talking about it, can pronounce the names and not be confused when they look at it in text. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, or if they do have, a like, a long, confusing name, they should have, like, a nickname to call them by. Yeah, something like like uh like 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 Connor from Assassin's Creed Three. He's got his long, unpronounceable Native American name, and then he's got his like English name. Yeah, I mean, I I have trouble pronouncing or like saying and remembering character names from anime. So when there's like short abbreviations like Deku and Kakchan, I immediately know who you're talking about because that's all I remember from actually watching the show or enjoying the show. But then there's also characters from like Dragon Ball, who are perfect examples of just, you know, like Vegeta, Goku, very quick rolls off the tongue names that you don't have to put too much time into. Yeah. 
they don't distract you from the fiction when you're thinking about their names. Mm-hmm. How should they look? Should they be buff super demon boys? Should they be normal? Uh, yeah, so I'll get to appearance real quick. Wait, because we kind of skipped over the other thing. Uh, vi- uh, villains should also have smooth names, but they can also have obviously evil names, like Angron or Mortarian or Greg. Johnny Evil Boy. Don't don't go with don't go with that one, but you get what I mean. Yeah, I'm I personally know, I like a big Greg. fan of a. I'm personally a big fan of doing villain names that have a meaning behind them. So I think they're like because it's not like super important to the actual story, but just having that small bit of touch to it. And if somebody goes to look up their name, like I created an evil ferret man whose name is Ambrose, and the meaning of that is immortal because he's pretty much a god at this point and the only thing that can stop him is the cold of space or anything that's like super super cold and that and feeds I, into his ego as well i also have jotted here that your comic relief character should have names like mclovin or greg chudley or like doug yeah goofy goofy simple names that like kind of separate them a little bit from the crowd like you have ang katara zuko toff and then you have Sokka. Sucker. Sucker's yeah, been sucking a sudden the dick. I just, if you want to, like, really, I mean, even a good example in, like, you know, another Western media example, Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Olaf. Yeah. Goofy small names tend to work pretty well for comic relief characters from what I've, you know, looked at. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Pinkie Pie. Yeah, Goofy. <laughs> Goofy, goofy. All right, now for appearances, I think your main characters, your appearance can tell a lot about a person. But in general, for your main character, um, like if like your character's physique should naturally fit the character. So like if the character's like you know like like a like an adventurer, like a Nathan Drake, Lara Croft type, then they should be at least somewhat like they shouldn't be like bodybuilder buff, but they got to have like that dancer like gymnast like kind of lean type of physique yeah, they gotta be physically and fit attra- attractiveness just generally sells like obviously you can make like like your character starts out and he's like he doesn't shower and he's all like disheveled like yeah. 10 pounds I mean, overweight but then he's like i gotta be a hero and then he hits the gym and he and then he then he looks better but like in general i don't want to 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 deal with smelly 11th grade weeb uh, with a school shooter haircut and yeah, just odor do problems. Th- that's just good advice for designing characters in general. Uh, you don't have to make them super model attractive, but just don't th- don't make smelly people. Don't be a smelly person too. I mean, no. you you can have your ugly characters. It's just that they probably also shouldn't be the main characters because at the end of the day, people are like. The generally people want to have either cute or physically attractive characters to be their main characters because you're going to see them the most of the time and uh, some people just are very picky about their appearances. Yeah. Agreed. What about the powers and abilities of the OC? So you should always know what your character's strengths, skills, and abilities are and you should also know their limits. Um, as I've mentioned before, uh, overpowered characters can be fun, entertaining, but they have to be done in a way that doesn't eliminate all stakes. Like, um, <laughs> like they're super invincible, but they have the weakness where if they get hit once, they just die instantly. Like, like Hotline Miami. Or the I think 
you you yeah, also have to keep in mind the uh the whole rules of the universe too. Like if you're making one for an established fictional universe, you have to make sure that your character follows the rules that were already established in there. So like you can't be making like a you know a Full Metal Alchemist OC and have them break the rules that are clearly established in the world of Full Metal Alchemist. Unless the point of the character was to see what would happen if you could break those rules. Yeah, obviously I mean, could... a lot of what we say you can circumvent around if you're clever enough with it. But yeah, they're not rules; they're just guidelines. The main point is, there's... if you're gonna de- if you're gonna deviate enough from what we say, you should do it deliberately. You should do it with consideration. Don't just make a guy who can shit diamonds for your OC and then sells it yeah, on the and, black market. Yeah, and, 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 and knowing what your character can do beforehand and perhaps either hinting or laying it out on the table can beginning can prevent moments from like them going like, oh dang, we need to, to jump over this cliff. And it's like, well, did you know that I was a long jumper in high school? And they go, what? It's like, yep, I didn't tell you guys, but I, I, I'm really good at the long jump. And they pull out a pole and they fall over the over the crevice yeah you know like i especially this also goes for like powers and forms like just don't drop forms without like maybe at least a little bit of foreshadowing like the the best form transformation i've seen is the super saiyan transformation because it's hinted at and foreshadowed that there is such thing as the super saiyan even if it's a legend or a myth but like there is this mystical power that saiyans can get and then we get to see that form transformation like a bad example would be if you go back and listen to our chain of memories example is giving a character like Sora just this random upgrade that just makes them a god. Yeah. Fucking dumb. Yeah, like, I I hate the Super Saiyan god thing. I think it's dumb. But at the end of the day, you know, it's whatever. At the end of the day, Toriyama wants money. Yeah, and if they have to make a stupid explanation, sure. Yeah. There's definitely ways to get around it. I think the best, like, the most interesting concept that I saw about the Super Saiyan God to, like, fix it was to make Goku have the, like, have the red one. Like, that's his transformation all the way through. Like, even when he goes to SSGSS, he, it stays red because he inherited that power from you know, God key or for however he got it from that ritual. Whereas Vegeta trained with the gods, trained with God key, and then he gets the blue one because he trained to get that. I think having that work as like a as a way to like kind of tweak the rules or maybe make it more interesting, more intrinsic to the character can help bring interesting ideas in, like the legendary Super Saiyan being green and whatever. Yeah. Lots of little things they could do like that. But why does our original character get up in the morning, boys? Why does he uh, get up and go to the fiction fiction office? Yes, yeah, so I, I believe this is more just like for you, uh, like the the writer. But you should just generally like flesh out who your character is, like what are their relationship with like the villains and the friends and the family and the world. How are they going to react to certain people? And this just just generally having like a like a like a nice net or web of connections can really help you uh, um, determine who who's doing what, um, who's doing who, yep. things like that. Yeah. I, the, the most important thing is to have, uh, like, what I like to do is to get, like, a tree and, uh, like, a relationship tree or maybe a motivation tree and show, like, 
who wants what, who, you know, how, who is like, who is the relationship with who. So for a character, maybe let's take, for example, Aang from Avatar, his relationship with Katara versus his relationship with Sokka and his goals, where do they line, where do they, uh, you know, where do they deviate, where do they intersect with maybe a villain's. The most important thing I can think of, especially if you want to make a character like a hero and a villain like come together, is to give them a like the same goal but accomplishing it in different ways, some way that generates conflict and put pretty much puts them onto a direct collision like a, a direct collision course for the story. This is completely unrelated. But don't have your character's motivation be that he went to high school with Daigo Dojima. Dojima. No, the, no, that's that's a very important character motivation. Everyone went to high school with Daigo Dojima. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like oh. I'm in my story, the main villain and the main hero are going to intersect at one point because the main hero is protecting what the main villain wants to destroy. Like simple stuff like that can also help create tension or maybe it's, you know, protecting somebody or something or uh, going to rescue somebody or something. Ways that force the villains and the heroes to interact in some way, shape or form generally creates good fiction. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to speed this up a little bit because we don't have a whole lot of extra time left. All right. So let's get on to the villains. So. We'll start with like your main villain, your big bad. So your primary antagonist, he's got he's got to be a badass motherfucker, or he's like an incredibly conniving schemer. Like he's either like a Thanos or he's like a Loki, where it's like, yeah, you could just like shoot him in the face and he'd be dead. But he's so super intelligent that he's thought of a, a way for you for that not to for like for it just not to be over. Like yeah. you you got you got to your 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 antagonist needs to be a credible threat. And you can't do things like discredit him. Um, an X-wing pilot shouldn't call him up on the comms and make yo mama jokes to him, and he's just absolutely falling apart at them. Uh, he shouldn't be shown up by other characters. Like if he has a fight with a subordinate, he should definitely win it. They shouldn't just wipe the floor with the, with him. Uh, and he shouldn't be a whiny crybaby that throws uh, temper tantrums. Hmm. I wonder who we're talking about. I, I I have no idea who I'm referring to. I'm just referring to generic OC man. Hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was specifically targeted to gingers, but whatever. I I think those are whiny emo OC <laughs> babies of le legacy characters. I think and the best does... way to make a a yeah. main villain. I think the best way to like make a main villain kind of intimidating and have that overwhelming power is to make sure that. Maybe it's, you know they have a leg up on some way, shape, or form on the protagonist, or maybe they are further along than pr the protagonist, and they know something that the other one doesn't. So, you know, you get, they have to be a force of reckoning outside of just power and intellect. They have to have some like something that the hero doesn't. I I, I would also I would also caution something called the Worf effect or the Superman effect. Where so on Star Trek Next Generation, there was a Klingon. His name was Worf. Klingons are naturally stronger than humans, so he's like the strongest dude around, right? So when they'd have a villain and they'd be like, "Oh, how do we make him dangerous?" Oh, we'll just have him beat up Worf, and then you'd be like, "Oh crap, he beat up Worf. He's he's super strong." But the problem is, by doing this, you've made them look like a, you've made Worf look like a total chump, 
So the, the effect gets diminished. And the other meaning of it is during uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, they would kindly run into the Superman problem where they'd be fighting like Harley Quinn or something. And they'd be like, oh, crap, Superman would end this in like a like two seconds. So we got to come up with some dumb reason why Superman either can't be there or he's incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But why does our villain so, get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, so motivation is really key for a villain. If you fuck up this, then you've kind of your whole story is is going to be dragged down by it. Uh, you need to be able to understand why the villain is doing what he's doing. I don't mean like you're like, yeah, Thanos, you 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 kill half the half the universe. I I agree with that decision. You need to be able to understand where they are coming from. Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. You you don't have to relate, but you can. Empathize. You have to understand. The best, yes. the best thing that I've been told for writing villains is that you should just think of the villain as the hero of their own story. Like to them, they have to think that they are the good. They have to think that they are the good person here, whether it be through like showing faults in society or trying to, you know, stop all natural resources from being vanquished because of overpopulation, or maybe you know they just really really want to uh like do something that may seem kind of in the gray area they have to it the best way to make a villain empathizable is to make them also written like a hero but from the perspective of somebody who is looking at their actions in a morally gray way and as a quick aside i what was that surge I, I was just I was just going to point out that you can also have a villain that like like it's completely fine to have a main villain who's just like I'm evil and I want to destroy things, but you should probably have a secondary villain who's got more motivations, so you can kind of focus on them, and then the main villain's just kind of like a, just just a, just a really cool dude for the protagonist to get into a final fight with. Yeah, I used to say I I used to agree exactly with what you said, Michael, but One Piece kind of changed my views on that a little bit. I don't think every villain has to be empathizable or sympathizable. Oh, I don't think so either. I'm just saying that that is one way to make them... That's a pretty good way to do it, yeah. But the basic gist is, you just have to understand where the villain is coming from. You don't have to agree with them, but, you know, say the villain's dad got murdered by a group of people, and so he's like, you know what, I'm just going to kill that group of people for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a dictator who does not give a fuck because I don't want to give a fuck. That's understandable. It's not moral. He's not trying to be the good guy, but you can Mm -hmm. understand that he doesn't really care if he's the good guy or the bad guy. He just does what he wants. But I do think it's good to have your villains have their own friends and their own personal relationships and connections to help them feel more fleshed out and human. Speaking of connections, what's a dragon? What's a secondary villain? What the fuck is uh, that? Uh, uh, all right, so TV Tropes defines the dragon as like the it's like the Vader. He's the he's the he, this is like the the second in command. He's the big strong dude that the uh that the main villain sends to do all of his dirty work. Uh, they don't need to necessarily be like very fleshed out. Like 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 Va- like Darth Vader wasn't like really fleshed out in like like Episode Four. He was just like this big scary dude and like. He can start off as like big scary dude, and then you learn later. Like they like like you can play him either way. Like they got their own thing going on. Like they got their own motivations, or they're just like scary dudes. And like you can do like 
yeah, you're big bad, and they got like the the evil nine, and one of them's name is Brick Killington, and he just he's just really big and strong. He's got like an exoskeleton, and he'll make a really cool fight for your heroes to fight. And he like his only motivation is like I want to punch things, and like that's fine for like a character like that. Yeah. Like the um, I I, I listed earlier is uh, what I call, call the bad the like the bad the bad villain tropes, and that's like the Marvel villains and Brody from uh, Justice League. Also, a Steppenwolf, but the the first version was gonna call him Brody, where like Marvel villains can devolve into like, like like the '90s action movie villain got like a big belt buckle, and they're like, we gotta weaponize X, like like the pin particles, the Iron Man technology, or like you get like your big scary demon mans that are made out of CGI, or the big scary mans, but they're in like regular special effects makeup. They're like, I'm evil, and I want to. I want to destroy the world. Why? I don't know. Because I like it. And like th- those those types really don't really make good like um like main villains. Yeah, you can still b- build a pretty good story around like 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 a villain like that. Like as long as like the journey like with the hero is good, and you just really want to punch the guy in the face by the end, you can still tell a pretty compelling story. But that doesn't make them a good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can usually overcome the tropes by giving them charisma and making the audience enjoy watching them or, in, you know, enjoy, like, di- like I guess, you know, viewing them rather than making them, you know, care about this villain. You can just have them be, oh, this villain, you know, this villain was fun. Like, take away from the experience rather than the character. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh... That it for dragons? Dragons a secondary villain? Yeah. Alright. Uh, mooks. Not real people. Fucking kill them. But if you're gonna make them human, please don't. Please don't just kill them in mass. Please don't. Don't do to the Stormtroopers what the sequel trilogy did to the Don't do what the sequel trilogy did and was like, Stormtroopers are slave children. They have feelings. And then Ray kills like five of them and laughs about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, do what Sora and Riku did in Chain of Memories and just mass murder all those mooks. I think Sora's the only one who mass murders people who debate definitely didn't deserve it. The heroes and whatever. Also, yeah. as an aside, don't give them a generic name like the heroes or the mooks. Give them something cool like the Chudleys. The Chudleys. Yeah, having a quick, you know, just a kind of snappy name to them. Like, um, I think it's in DuckTales, it's the Beagle Boys. Like, yeah. just something kind of goofy, you know, or maybe something a little bit more intimidating. Something that people will remember, like Stormtroopers. Now, bad yeah. OCs. And then for... Yeah. Well, I was going to say for, like, were you about to get into the bad OCs? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I was going to say for the bad OCs, we kind of talked about it, but basically, like, don't be bland, don't be boring, don't be just, like, walking exposition devices. Um, self-inserts, uh, often turned into cringe fiestas, as Matt wrote, um, and basically just kind of, like, uh, duplicity, where it's just the author really wants to bang goth Harry Styles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if I would counter as a self-insert, like, um, Avon, because I have read ahead, like, she does have her own motivations and stuff. And she yeah, only. I, I wasn't. Say, I wasn't. I wasn't saying like there's a self insert in the fan fiction, but it's very clearly the 
the desires of the author are seeping to the surface. Like, I really want to bang Harry Styles. Like, yeah, I, I understand. Could you not? Rem- could you stop reminding me every five paragraphs? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of wanting to bang Harry Styles and bad fan fictions. Believe it or not. Ugh. What's the what's the funniest bad OC we've ever read? Hmm, that's a tough one. Uh I don't think anything in Sonic High School o- counts because Sonic Dark High School Yagami? is like... <laughs> Dark Yagami is a pretty good one. <laughs> Blade Randy. Blade Randy, yeah, that's a good one. But he's he's just more of like a boring self-insert. He is probably the most boring self-insert I've ever seen. Ouch. And I feel like the well, most... Oh, what about the greatest nickname? Oh, nickname's pretty good too. <laughs> but like when I think of like a really funny bad OC, my immediate thought is Blue Topaz from the Blue Gem Guardians, that Steven Universe fan show that I was talking about, because there were just points where like so like for like the first chunk of the series uh blue topaz is in a relationship with pearl from steven universe and then suddenly he's no longer in a relationship with pearl and he's in a relationship with this new gem i forget who he first dates i I think it's capri and then capri just suddenly disappears and now he's dating this new gem green pearl then he's suddenly dating a new gem and it just it's hilarious we should because he just and review it that sounds so fun oh trust I will I will bring it up because there like there is an archive channel that is dedicated to his old content. And I'm friends with the creator. I think I think he is honestly like one of the most sincerest people I've ever met. And I feel really bad for just being like really mean to his series because he it was just kind of like whatever he wanted to do and it wasn't hurting anybody. And I was just really mean about it. But like if Not you watch good. it and you just if you take away from the fact that this is like a fan work and you know the creator and all that stuff and you just watch it for what it is it is you can you get to a point where you realize that blue topaz is a power fantasy with no personality outside of being a power fantasy and it's really funny say this this is so you think you can fanon and uh we don't care about people's feelings <laughs> if you so write something about, bad, yeah, if, if, if 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 it's bad, it's 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 we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tell it like it is. Yeah, we are sorry if we come across as personally insulting. We don't know if you smell in real life. You might, you might not. But uh, sometimes your writing can stink. We don't we don't like to ignore the stink of the writing, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes oh. to poorly written children. Oh God! Yes, children. God. Uh, so the most common problem with children, I'm I'm leaving it there. That's the quote. Uh, most common <laughs> problem with writing children, uh, is that they make them into tiny adults. They give them very eloquent sentences. Um, I think they need to straddle, uh, like like the line of like cringe with like baby speak, depending on how old they are. I personally think that you can. You can write them, it's just that they shouldn't have really long-winded sentences. They should have kind of, I would say, like a sentence or two of dialogue. And they should have this kind of innocent sounding to them, because kids are intrinsically innocent. They haven't really experienced all of life yet, and they children also don't have a lot, like, I mean, they might have a lot to say on their mind, and they might just say it, but it's not going to be a long, elaborate 
uh, thing, they usually repeat themselves over because they are trying to get their idea across. Yeah, I think, ironically enough, the best way I've ever seen kids written is from Homestuck, because every kid has their own way of speaking, they always are consistently written, but they're still kids at the end of the day. Even Rose, who capitalizes her sentences properly and has perfect grammar, she's a kid. They're all kids at the end of the day, and they don't know what death is like for real. They don't understand how to use interpersonal conflicts or how to get through them. Uh, kids are immature. They should not speak like they already know enough about a topic to get through it all the they time. They shouldn't be fine with murder. Yeah. <laughs> that too. I mean, maybe they can get over it. Like, like there's some animals Tekantori where it's just like, <clears throat> like, don't care, virgin. You're getting mauled. Yeah. Also, as an aside, when you're writing stuff in general from a kid show, don't have them start cursing for no reason. Uh, my specific note here is don't have Aang from Avatar say the N-word. Just don't. Just don't. Please. Yeah. Cursing can be so distracting if you put it into the wrong series. Especially for if it's a character who you wouldn't see swearing like Aang. I would never see Aang swear in my life. I feel like the most he would say is like heck or stupid. And if you were to go any farther than that, he'd probably be like scoffed at by Katara. Like, yeah, get like it'd be a serious breakdown of the character, basically. Mm-hmm. And so finally, now we, we should we should yeah. we should we should wrap things up with the don'ts. Uh, the number one is to stop being horny. Oh, this goes to men and women. We're putting you all on blast. Uh, so men, if your story isn't X rated, she doesn't have they have to have these big honking badonga that they like drop down to the ground and don't uh are affected by a grat like they're just yeah they're just don't have don't have things don't have her boobs be literally made in the source engine okay like it's she's got like like her dump truck ass is like seven dump trucks. <laughs> yeah. Not saying you can't write like a beautiful girl and describe her as much, but you pro if this isn't like X-ray, you shouldn't be all like. Mm, she has these tiny in. booty shorts. Mm. And then yeah, women, nobody will put you on blast, but here at so you think you can fan, and everyone's getting shot. Um, so uh, stop writing men like these like aloof brooding douchebags that slap girls around. They're like. Beat me harder, Darius Styles, Daddy. Never do that ever again. <laughs> I will personal. I will personally slap you around and be uh, a brooding douchebag if you ever do that again. Yeah, <laughs> and of course these are hilarious generalizations, but oh my god, it's so fucking common. Mm. Yeah, 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 like they'll like, be like, he had his uh. I walked into the room and I saw Edward. He had his button up all the way buttoned down. And he had these glistening abs. I think it's his nipples were real hard and his <laughs> pants were slightly unbuttoned. And I was like, mm. I mean, you can be a little bit risque when it comes to romance and X rated things. But like, if you're trying yeah. to write a story that is, you know, just like an action adventure story. Maybe don't have the focus be on fan service, whether it be for male or female audience. Mm -hmm. I like, don't need six paragraphs for of just Harry Styles describing him to me. I don't yeah, need six no. paragraphs of how this woman is so fucking gorgeous or whatever. Like, 
just you can you, i mean i'm cool with having like a paragraph of somebody being like blown away by the beauty of another person but when you make it more than one paragraph and when you start getting more into detail about their it just features it starts getting creepy mm-hmm. that uh, and it's also, just clunky to read yeah uh also don't plagiarize people looking at you mr freeney mr freeney mr freeney yeah mm-hmm. take inspirations don't take plot lines don't take yeah. you can oh you can homage and reference don't rip dialogue verbatim without a you know you yeah. can have someone say you can have someone say everyone else like like you can have like a character say like another character's line and like reference but like the situation and the context shouldn't be like exactly the same mm-hmm. yeah uh deviant art don't don't no use deviant it as inspiration none of it yeah no uh, edgy overly edgy yeah overly edgy characters aren't really interesting they don't really do anything and if any like at the end of the day if you're not making them a joke people will make them a joke that's what you have to keep in mind, is if you make a character who is black and red, people are going to laugh at it, no matter who it is. Unless it's a really cool design that you drew up, and it actually looks professionally done. Then then people think oh, it's yeah, cool. Uh, no over, like, no Cold Steel, the Edgehogs. Uh, <laughs> I wrote, uh, don't copy designs for an existing character, like your ex character, but you're blue and you have a gun! Yeah. Yeah. Uh hilarious physical descriptions. What what's a good example of a hilarious physical description? Like a ten inch. Buff cock? Riku. Buff Riku. Six foot twenty. Buff Riku. <laughs> Don't do that. Six foot twenty and made of radiation. <laughs> yeah. Uh sexy get, because they're sex say... scenes. Yeah, just don't get overly descriptive when like if you're describing them in like a written work. Like I'd say at most you can you can like if you need to get overly descriptive, it would have to be on a very important feature like uh, like a splash of freckles on their face or maybe they have like a scar that's very like a very weirdly shaped scar stuff that is if you're over describing something, you have to make sure that it is important for that character and it's not just look at their abs, look how fucking look at look at their stunning abs. They could great cheat that, yeah, that, that, like that that's for the porn. If yeah, you're writing a regular story, that's not that's 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 not you know that shouldn't be in there. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna write porn, though, go ahead. That's you know that's yeah, the point. Uh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have a whole lot else big to say. Yeah, no, we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, the rest of the don'ts are just like don't don't write bad characters. I yeah. think the I think one that I really want to bring up real quick is. Don't have the most interesting part of the character be in their backstory. Like, Agreed. I feel like there there should be something interesting there, but it shouldn't all be interesting because we are meeting this character in the present day. We have to know what's going on, what's going to change, what their arc is going to be like, if there is one. You have to make sure that this character has something that will actually continue in a story. Otherwise, you're just going to be stuck there with a character who doesn't really do much outside of just looks pretty. Yep. Yep. And all the other stuff we said about everything. Normally yeah, I would want to have a, a good little discussion part of the episode, but unfortunately I do have to get going right now. Oh, uh, it's a shame. Maybe yeah, another this time. This was fun. 
Maybe we can have a a mini show at some point talking about it. Yeah. We can just add it on afterwards. I mean, we have time. True. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Don't make battle seas. I will break you.